Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? Verse 12. How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Then saith he to the man, stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole like as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and held counsel against him how they might destroy him. But I love verse 12. Jesus says, how much then is a man better than a sheep? The New Living Translation says in verse 12, how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? And I want to preach today with your help and the help of the Lord on this question, how much more? How much more? Would you pray with me right now? Jesus, we thank you for your touch. We thank you for your presence, for the worship and the freedom and the liberty that we feel in this house. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would touch us with an anointing and an unction from heaven. Lord, would you speak to us clearly and strongly through your word? Would you convict us? Would you encourage us? Would you lift us? Would you set us in heavenly places to fellowship with you and your word today? I pray that we are changed by your spirit before we leave this house. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the church said, amen. Would you clap your hands to the Lord again this morning? Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Let's give him high praise together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You, you can be seated this morning how much more there are places and conditions that rate humanity very low and the question has not always been asked about mankind how much more there are places in the world today where human life is cheap there are places in the world today where value upon a human life is very low Heaven is the exception because heaven places high value upon a life. Amen. The Pharisees had a, a sacred scale through which they measured value. Days were more important than healings. Institutions had priority over pain. Tradition was more important than a life. The man with the withered hand should wait 24 hours their defense allowed no exceptions. You wait 24 hours because today your life is not valuable enough to be healed. They became the jury to decide what was lawful and what was unlawful. But Jesus showed this presidium what was wrong with the conclusion of their doctrine and theory in three sentences. He said, what man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? That would officially, according to the Pharisees, be a breach of regulations. Seemingly, there was justification for what they taught and what they preached. There had always been a strong appeal uh, in the Jewish people toward the sacredness of property. They didn't want to lose money. They didn't want to lose out on the opportunity of making money. Amen. And so it would not be a question of acting humane. Society would act, but it would not be a matter of life. It would be a matter of profit or loss. 
And Jesus touched the nerve when he asked that question. Amen. They would not have understood Jesus if he appealed to their pity, either for a sheep or for a man. But he appealed to their commercial instinct. How much? How much more is a man better than a sheep? They could not understand having sympathy and pity because their religion had hardened their hearts to the rules which would allow no no gray area and no movement. So Jesus, rather than appealing to their hearts because as he said, they were made of stone and inside they were dead man's bones. He appealed to their commercial enterprise and said, amen, if you don't want this man healed, I want you to think about your own property and I want you to think about sheep. And so he began to appeal to their understanding of markets and commodities. If an institution can be set aside to save a sheep because it's too valuable to be lost, what might, what may not have been done in the interest of a human being by one who is alive, a person who has intrinsic value? You see, that is the heart of the matter. That is what Jesus was speaking to. Which of these has the precedent? Which one of these is more important? Is it more important to save some sheep, a lamb, that you can make money off of it or is it more important to save a life he was trying to appeal to them by reasoning amen they didn't want this man healed because it was the Sabbath but Jesus also knew that if one of their sheep fell into a well on the Sabbath that they would do everything in their power to rescue that sheep because it had value when it comes to money amen and Jesus is arguing this point which has the precedent? Is it the sheep that makes money or is it the man that has intrinsic value to God? All arguments are focused upon this. Jesus made it plain how God felt about this. You see, to God, people are too valuable to be lost because Luke 19 and 10 says that Jesus came to seek and to save them which are lost. Because to the judgment of God, in the heart and the mind of God, they were intrinsically worth saving. The price which he paid shows that he, at any rate, estimated them to be far above that of mere property, but they had eternal and intrinsic value. The religious world said the man has no value. Only the thing that can bring money has value. But God looks at us this morning and says, you are more than a commodity, but you are a soul that will spend eternity somewhere. And how much more is a man worth? How much more is a man worth than an animal? There's an old proverb that says the worst use you can put a man to is to hang him. In other words, it's just a mere life that can be extinguished. It sometimes must be done, but it is a waste which is incurred reluctantly. God throws a roadblock at his every command to keep a person out of hell because he places so much value upon that soul. If you look back at the end of a life, be it long or young, amen, that was stepped out into eternity, if you view that life objectively from birth to the grave, you would have to say that God presented many opportunities for that soul to come to him, to seek him, and to find him that they might be saved. And the reason why God continually pursues us by his grace, his mercy, and his compassion is because the question still resounds throughout eternity, how much more is the value of a soul? How much more is the 
the value of a man. I hope you feel what I'm preaching to you this morning because the value cannot be placed merely upon the building in which we have services. The value cannot merely be placed upon the talent and the skill of which we worship in music and song. The value goes beyond the lights. The value goes beyond the sound system. The value goes beyond the chairs. But the value is a soul that is trapped in an earthen vessel that God loves so much that he would give his only son that we might have life. And that life more abundantly. Oh, do you thank the Lord this morning for that life? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. Something's got to stir and awaken in the heart of every believer. Amen. I don't want you to hear me preach, amen, through the tenor of frustration because it's not. But hear me preach through the tenor of a burden that we must evaluate people as God values people. It's not about coming to church on Sunday morning and that's necessary, but it's about coming to church and bringing a soul that needs Jesus Christ. It's about teaching a Bible study. It's about evangelizing the lost. It's about reaching a neighbor, a family member, or a co-worker. How much more? For he's not willing that any man should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. How much more? How much more? Man is too precious to be lost forever. Let me say that again. Man is too precious to be lost forever. God will employ every resource at his disposal to save a person. The question to weigh is this. Do you think this is the correct attitude or should it be just let a man suffer? It'll be what it'll be. We can't help anyway. Or do we take on the heartbeat of God and say, how much more? How much more? How much more? How much more does God value a life than even we value a life? Our military will go through great resources to rescue one fallen soldier. Even when life has left their body on a battlefield uh, in the Vietnam War, amen, helicopters were lost. Uh, entire special forces platoons uh, were casualties because of one soldier who didn't have any rank uh, but then that of an entry-level soldier had been wounded or laid dying in the jungles uh, or a rice paddy of Vietnam. The military expended all of their resources and human value to rescue that one body or that one life because we understand the principle, a Judeo-Christian value that must be resurrected back in this nation but more importantly in the heart of believers uh, that that one person really does matter and I've come to tell you if the U.S. military can do that how much more should the church of the living God say they've got value come on they've got value We must do everything within our power and at our disposal to pick up the heartbeat of heaven. How much more? How much more? I am convinced, and it is shockingly tragic, that most of the time churches are willing to just go through the routine and hope that some might drift in rather than making a concerted effort to love them around them. Amen. I know it's Sunday morning. I, I know I'm preaching something that's a, that, that's a little heavy, but I need you to awaken to this right now. Amen. Pastor, well, what is our program? The program is simply this, love the lost. 
If you need an organized department on how to love the lost, you need to find an altar and a prayer room again. You shouldn't have to be told to love the lost and to love people. If you've got the spirit of Christ in you, you will love them whether they are a smelly, homeless person or they are a wealthy executive because all people, all people, all humanity has value in the sight of God. How much more? I can't help but believe this morning if something would ignite in the heart of the first church campus is to say, I'm going to value my coworker like God values them. I'm going to value my neighbor like God values them. I cannot help but believe that there is not a building within this city or within this county that could contain the harvest and the revival that would flow from people asking the question every day, how much? more Carlisle once took the occasion to speak of the population of English of the English as quote 30 million mostly fools can such contempt be justified does heaven run on such an oligarchy in keeping with Carlisle's view is mankind just cannon fodder or so much waste or so much in, inintelligible mass to be manipulated at will? Is that all man is to heaven? It's just wandering apes on the earth that are barely above the animal kingdom or do we like heaven look down and across the church today and across our city today and say they are not fools and they are not ignorant and they are not worthless sinners yes but such were some of you horrible people yes but such were some of us drug addicts yes but such were some of us liars fornicators thieves yes but such were some of us we must look at the world and ask the question that's ringing through the ages how much more value the pharaohs the caesars the mouths the linens the stalins the castros the Hitlers have all felt contempt toward people. Governments feel contempt toward people. But Jesus said it is different in the bigger world. Too often the religious world has sided with the powerful and the traditions of institutions. Amen. But not any longer when the church of Jesus Christ rises up and says, it's not about how much money you have. It's not about the degrees that you possess. It's not about the size of your home or the quality of your pedigree. But there is a value that is placed upon every breathing human because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. How much more? Even David, the psalmist, the king, wobbled at this revelation. He staggered to discern that man was set in a place not far below the angels, but he failed to comprehend the real force of the fact. He asked patiently in Psalms chapter 8 and verse 4, he said, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? He staggered again in Psalms 144 and 4 when he says, man is like to vanity. His days are as a shadow that passeth away. There was this temptation, amen, to not pay too much attention to man. But when David realized the majesty of our eternal God and the corruptness of humanity, when he saw his holiness and our sinfulness, 
when he saw his beauty and our ugliness, David staggered back and said, who am I that you would even think about me? Who am I that you would even want to commune with me? Amen. But God took it further than he did even in David's day when God robed himself in flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. What is man that you are mindful of me? Not only is God mindful of you, but he wants a personal relationship with you. He's not willing that any should perish. Jesus loved people. I I know I'm, I'm overstating the obvious, but Jesus loved people. And he genuinely loved everybody. Jesus believed that people is what it's all about. He loved them with reckless abandonment. He passionately loved every man. He never met a man or woman he didn't love. He never met a child that wasn't beyond value in his eyes. He loved. He loved. He loved. Think about the love of Jesus and compare it to what science predicates that man is today. I'm not here to debate this. If you're a Christian, this is not a debate. But think about what science says about man. Science says man is traced back to monkeys. Man is nothing more than slightly more progressed apes. That's all science says that you are. That's all the world says that you are. Not only is it a damnable philosophy, but it was a theory rated, uh, uh, rooted in the very deepest of racism. And yet our schools still teach it. And the wokeologists still promote it. You get glad in the same britches you got mad in. It's a fact. It was rooted in supremacy, elitism, and racism. And it was a way that science could say, this is truly who they are. But now we've brought equality to say, no, it's who we all are. You can't be more scurrilous in your thinking. That kind of contempt shoves humanity in the gutter. It shoves humanity in the alley with the, garb- with the garbage and the rats and the vermin. No wonder we discard hundreds of thousands of babies into dumpsters and alleys every week in this nation for conveniences. And, and we call these modern day concentration camps Planned Parenthood. Amen. And we discard these children and say they're nothing but a clump of cells. But you got to understand something. The Bible said God knew us before we were formed in our mother. Womb. I'm going to make something very emphatic. You cannot support abortion and be a Christian. And you cannot support politicians who support it and be Christian. I'm going to, I don't care if they're Republican, Democrat, it doesn't, you got no business supporting those people. Why? Because how much more? The modern day left looks at children as nothing but an imposition and an inconvenience. But the people of God must look at them and say, it is a soul of intrinsic value. It's never been easier to not stand with the people than it is today. Maya Angelou said, when they show you who they are, believe them. They hate man. These scientists, these abortionists, these leftists, they hate themselves. That's why they hate babies. And I'm not going to debate it with you. 
It's not worth my breath. I'll stand on the Bible. God had identified the baby before it was formed in the womb of its mother. I'm going to stick with the book. Because my Bible says that God hates the hands that shed innocent blood. I'm not going to shed innocent blood. Amen. You say, Pastor's drifting into politics. If that's what you think, you're, you're about as deep as a dime is thick. That ain't politics. That's Bible. You got political, not me. I'm standing there. I'm preaching on how much more does God value man? How much? We ought to value man more than this world system can. This world system has fallen. It has corrupted the concept of the purity and the sacredity of a human life. But God came to seek and say that 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 human that man that woman that boy that girl that child that they might be saved oh, I feel the Holy Ghost today science has said thou hast made him a might higher than the baboon that's what science says thou hast made him a might higher than the baboon the campus has not been content with Eden, with the garden, with God walking in the cool of the day in Genesis 3 and 8, seeking his friend. Science wants to go back to the polywogs. Science wants to go back to the Big Bang theory, amen, to some isolated cell where cosmic lightning struck some primordial ooze and from that billions of years of evolution, amen, we swam, then we crawled, then we swung and now we walk, amen, it chooses primeval caves in which pre-human brutes snarled and growled with their bones. Science builds its corporations of service, but it does its best in text and philosophy and immorals to downgrade men to be nothing more than just dogs with the ability to communicate intelligently. It glorifies the ape. It glorifies the monkey. It glorifies the animal world but it places no intrinsic value upon mankind and I ask you this morning how much more thinking of Jesus was revolutionary. It was a shocker. That is why when the Messiah arrives, he arrives with such an impact. Because when he arrived on the scene, oh hallelujah, he says it doesn't matter if you're black or brown or red or yellow or white. You are important. God individualized us and said you are important. You are important. Before this point, the salvation of a household was dependent upon the man of the family. Think of Korah. Korah's wife and children did nothing, but when God judged them, he judged the whole family. Because the whole household, their salvation was predicated on the man of the house. But when Jesus stepped into a new dispensation, when Jesus showed up on the scene, he came to love, to seek and save that which was lost. That individual that was lost. That person that was lost. He said, upon your handmaidens in that day will I pour out of my spirit and I'll pour it out upon all flesh. And for the first time, you talk about, you talk about a woman woman's right movement, God for the first time now allowed her to step out and have a relationship with him personally, to have communication with him personally. God ripped the veil, stepped out from the sacred place of the Holy of Holies and said, if you are willing to come to me, I will come to you and I will love you and I will protect you and I will give you life. And that is the power base of the gospel is that it's for everybody. I said that's the power base of the gospel that it's for everybody. It, it, it does not distinguish. It is not prejudiced. It is not biased. It's for whosoever will let him come. Rich, come on. Poor, come on. Sick, come on. Healthy, 
Come on, short, tall, come on. Black, white, red, yellow, green with purple, purple polka dots, it don't matter. You just keep on coming because the gospel is not selective. It's for whosoever will. That's how much God placed value upon mankind. He said it's for whosoever will. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, and he said, who loved me, who loved me, the individual, and gave himself for me, the individual. He loved me as an individual, and he gave his life a ransom for me as an individual. He didn't lump me into this group. He didn't lump me into that group. Amen. Where our society today has gone into the depths of extreme by saying, you belong to this group, and you belong to this group, and a subset of this group, and of that group, there's this subset of that subset, not Jesus. Jesus said, do you got flesh? Do you have breath in your body? I've come to save you. I don't care what your gender is. I don't care what your color is. I don't care what your orientation is. It don't matter your pedigree or your background. I've come to seek you and I've come to save you as an individual. What your daddy did don't matter. What your mama did don't matter. What your grandpa did don't matter. What your children do don't matter. All that matters is he came to save me. Somebody say, how much more? Man is not vile earth. Man is not vile earth. I felt so strong to preach this because there's such a spirit in our age today that people are worthless and useful idiots. We are not vile earth. That man addicted to heroin right now is not a piece of trash. He's just lost. That teenage girl struggling as she sits alone in her car outside an abortion clinic is not trash. She's just lost. The single mom selling her body on the internet is not trash. She's just lost. The young executive who is now in his apartment and in his home and is tightening the noose around his own neck as he's tied the other end of the rope to the top of his closet because he has hid the abuse of his childhood for years. He is not worthless garbage. Amen. It's not Darwinism at its finest. He is not trash to be thrown out to the trash heap, but he, he is just lost. And we must ask the question, how much more, how much more does he love of those which are lost because when Jesus came to this earth he did not take the title king of kings he will when he returns but when he came to this earth he deliberately took the title the son of man take your history book and check the titles he was the son of man it will afford you an interesting experience because the princes of this world, the dukes, the knights, the lords of this world system lean upon privilege and fortune. But only Jesus of Nazareth considered humanity to be a better base. These babies are born into privilege and royal families. Their title is what they exist upon, but not Jesus. He could have been born into this world with an explosion of the supernatural in streets, uh, being lined with a chorus of angels heralding with golden trumpets raining down silver and gold and untold precious jewels saying, this is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Uh, but what they heralded to the earth was this day in the city of David, a son is born, a child is born because Jesus came to save that he loved the most and that was the base of humanity. It was the lowest. He came down to our level when we could not get up to his. Jesus can see dignity in life no matter how lost they are. No matter how broken they are. All life has dignity with Christ. 
he could see Simon Peter amid a quick and murderous temper and foul language. And he loved him still. He could see Philip amidst the mundane, matter-of-fact, bland existence of his life. And he loved him still. He could see men and boys. Amen. He could see the clean in lepers. He could see the virtue in the harlot. He could see the generosity through the greed of Zacchaeus because to him man was worth saving. And he lived to answer the question, how much more? Man was worth saving. That was his doctrine. Man is worth saving. That was his core belief. Man has intrinsic value. That's what he came to say. The administration took exception to him and they crucified him. But the Bible said he took upon himself the form of man. Paul, as he deliberated on this in his mind, wrote in Philippians chapter 2 in verse number 7 and I read it in a modern translation says instead instead he gave up his divine privileges he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form he didn't come as a king he came as a slave. He didn't come as an angel. He came as a man. He came to reach the lowliest among us. He asked no exemptions. He refused options to even under excruciating pain. He was not willing to squander the opportunity of the age, the miracle of the moment. When God robed in flesh would hang upon that cross because he was a man. He was the man. He was God's man. He was the man that would bring redemption to the whole world. This is what you feel when you soak in the gospels in your Bible reading. One theme comes raising above them all. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. He loves the liar. He loves the thief. He loved the harlot. He loved the weak. He loved the sick. He loved the destitute. He loved the poor. He loved the rich. He loved the ignorant. He loved the educated. Jesus loved how much more. Oh, would you lift your hands to heaven right now? Come on and let God just pour into your spirit the touch of his heartbeat for the world today. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. <laughs> hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Every thought of God through every pump of his heart through every firing of every nerve, of every neutron through his brain, every carpuscle, every blood cell that pumped through the frail human body of Christ had one goal, seek and save the lost. Love them which, that, that which are lost. Reach them because how much more value does a man have than a sheep? That's all he thought about. Everything he did was colored. Amen. By this belief that man is worth saving. That mankind is worth saving and worth giving everlasting life. Because God did not build hell for man. He built hell for the Satan and his minions. But the Bible said hell hath enlarged herself because man is dying daily and going to a place that God God did not intend so Jesus came to this earth and he put his precious body upon a rugged cross that he might stop somebody from going there he would have done it if only one would have been saved he would have died the cruel death if only one would have been saved because one life has intrinsic value to God and I ask you born again believers I ask you fire baptized tongue talkers how much more Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost moving in this place right now. 
How much more? How much more? How much more? was his mission it was his mission and his message seek them save them love them redeem them restore them because without me there is no hope without me there is no chance Hope, oh, but I'm thankful for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That he didn't die for the Jew alone, but he died for me too. That he spilled his blood, not for those who were doing good, but for those that were doing wrong. And the Bible said, while we were yet sinners Christ died for us meaning when I was at my lowest brother Reuben that's when God loved me the most I couldn't make God love me more by running the house I couldn't make God love me more by giving away my whole salary you see he saw me when I was at my worst he looked beyond my fault and he saw my need he saw me in the depth of despair he saw me in the chains of addiction and he didn't write me off sister Cindy he said I'll go down to San Francisco and I'll touch that young girl who's a hippie and I'll fill her with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because God loves. I've got to say this. I gotta say this and I mean it. The next great wave of revival that is cresting over this church is not through organization and programs. It's through the sure, unquenchable passion of loving people the way Jesus loves people. Because when I love people, he loves people. All of a sudden, my schedule's a whole lot more free than I thought it was. Because somebody's daughter, somebody's son, right now, needs Jesus. And I don't care if they don't vote like me or they don't look like me or they don't drive a car like me, or they're not, they don't have any, any tact or sensibility, it doesn't matter. God loves them, and so I must love them. Not with a familial love, amen, not with a filial love, that brotherly love, I must love them with an agape love, that love from God that can only come from God. And Lord, when you let this mind be in me, which was also in you, would you transplant your heart into my heart that I might see the lost as you see the lost? I hope, I'm, I hope I'm reaching somebody with this today because Jesus taught it. He taught it with eternal simple phrases. He taught it with everlasting convincing conviction. He taught about the coin, the lost sheep, the lost man. They were found. They were to ultimately be found. Nothing could be more important in this parable. Nothing could be more important, amen, to the point that he would drive home and all three of these. Nothing could be more important than Christ. Nothing could take precedent over this, that we must seek them and we must save them. These are the marching orders from heaven seek them and save them this is the cry from the captain of our salvation seek them and save them oh shouting is good dancing is good preaching is good worship is good but the marching order of heaven is go find the coin go find the sheep go find the son search through the obscurity and the darkness until you find them. Uncover, grab the shovel and dig till your hands have blisters. 
Get on your hands and knees and pull apart the rubbish and the trash until you find them. But don't stop because at all costs, the coin must be found. At all costs, it must never be abandoned. We've got to find that one lost sheep. We've got to get that prodigal even though, amen, he has walked away. Good housekeeping will not permit a coin to be lost because on that coin is imprinted the image of a king. Every coin had the image of a king on it in that dispensation in other words mankind has the image of the king on it for we were made and formed in the image of God and not one person can we allow them to be lost we've got to sweep and move and shove aside until we find that coin it must never be abandoned sheep can be silly and wonder they are helpless and cannot find their way it's up to a shepherd it's the burden of somebody that says I'm not going to let them wonder I've got to find them a man loses his son it is the greatest of heartbreaks the boy is wrong he began to it began to go wrong with wrong ideas and then bankruptcy he is reduced to swine and swindlers he's a prodigal but he is not a pig did you hear me he is a prodigal but he is not a pig he is a prodigal he is not a pig he is a son he is not swine he is a prodigal not a pig we cannot abandon him in the slop we've got to reach him we've got to love him Already he knows that somebody wants him. He knows he's been created for better things and there is a road home. His practice was like his theory. He associated with the common people. Amen. And Jesus, the Bible said, they heard him gladly. He cared and the people knew he cared. There were no selfish interests involved. It was never a show. It was never an act. Jesus was never antisocial. He did not catalog as we do the privileged and the unprivileged the cultivated and the vicious the rich and the squalid it didn't matter to him he mingled with all of them until his very character was attacked as being a wine bibber and running with the wrong crowd he was neither exclusively country club or exclusively ghetto he had the ability to reach into both crowds why because how much more is the value of a soul and the value of a man As musicians come, he did not allow his wisdom to make him a snob. He did not allow his poverty to make him paranoid. He did not allow his convictions to make him withdrawn and disconnected. He did not permit his passion to make him compromise. He walked all streets, yet without. He dined with the wealthy and he fed the hungry. He used a rich man's vault and enjoyed a rich girl's perfume. Only those who drew themselves and insulated themselves behind wealth or class or religion and shut themselves off from him could he not reach. He was concerned with people. He sought them. He moved toward them on the beach, in the synagogue where they worked, at the well, in the field, at a funeral. It didn't matter. He fraternized with them because he loved them. The critics and the columnists, they made a big thing out of it. They questioned his credentials. They expressed innuendos about his sanity, but he found sinners everywhere he went, and he believed that he was in the employment of his father's business, and nothing was more important than loving somebody and getting them saved. He ate, he drank, he exchanged views. He found humanity as it was. He looked at a man stripped of honesty and character he saw us and did not turn up his nose but he said for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world 
but that the world through him might be saved. The common people felt it and they believed it. You see, salvation lifts me from physical appetite and material affection to a priesthood under God. Where through salvation, oh, God makes me a king, not a pawn. And through his love, his blood, and his mercy, he shows me what I really am and what I can really be. He extends toward me the welcome and the assistance of heaven. He shows me by every proof possible that the divine can dwell in human form. And the eternal God of glory could love the corrupt sinner like me. Oh, hallelujah. I feel a stirring of heaven in this place this morning. I'm not compelled to wallow in the pigsty because by the law of heaven I've been called to be a priest and a joint heir with Christ. I know this. I know this. That the good shepherd he's always reaching for me. In Hebrews 13 and 5 Sister Dawn he says he will never leave me nor it's not a campaign promise it's an eternal fact I discover in Jesus listen to me I discover in Jesus that I am not worthless and I am not hopeless and I'm so much more Science sees an advanced ape. A politician sees a gullible vote. But God looks at me and sees the very affection of his heart and has placed the greatest value I'm not a pauper, I'm a prince. I'm not a beggar, I'm beloved. Now therefore let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find help in the time of need. I say this to you with all earnest and humility. If my hope of salvation lay only in my contemptible craving for God's pity, I should be in despair forever. But since I learned that God wants me as much as I need Him, I rest in the certainty that God will, unless I hinder Him, He will accomplish His purpose. Because how much more better is a man than a sheep? How much more better is a man than a sheep? Show me, Jesus. His body on the cross. How much, Jesus? I wish I could put it into mere human words. I wish I could adequately describe and paint to you the detail. But Jesus loves me.
this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak. But he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. Stand with me this morning. I feel the touch of heaven in this place. I've come to tell somebody you have worth. You have intrinsic value. He abandoned all the privilege of heaven to incur all the pain of life because his affection for you is unquenchable. You don't know Sister Cindy too well. I want to borrow you for a minute. She's over here with our music team, part of our Vacaville campus. She's a, an adopted aunt. You don't know this. I'm hoping she'll write a book and she's really uncomfortable. I didn't ask her permission. How old were you when you came out here? Seven. When you hitchhiked. She left New York, upstate New York. She was a hippie in every, every sense of the word, not pejoratively, but literally the definition. And she hitchhiked. Her and her little guitar from New York to San Francisco wearing a flower in her hair. How long did you live on this out here before God saved you? Six months, she, she lived in little hippie communes in Camp Ghirardelli Square, all of these places just living on the crowd. When she's putting, I think you're putting a book testimonial thing together. You need to go on her Facebook page and read it. And one day she was so hungry, she didn't have any food to eat. And I'm probably messing up the story, but she even prayed. She wanted something to eat. And if God was real, give her something to eat. And you know how much God loves? Somebody gave her a sandwich. Well, he could have gave her filet mignon. He could have did it. But God loved her so much that he found a wonder and outcast. And he said, I will hear your prayer from your despondent, sinful state. And I'm going to raise you up and make you a child of the Most High God. struggling with your worth you look in the mirror every day and you hate what you see you judge yourself by the magazine you judge yourself by social media posts and you look in the mirror and you and you say oh, I'm ugly I'm, I'm wretched if I, if I look like him if I look like her if I just... God sent your pastor to tell you God loves you just as you are. Oh, he loves you with an unfailing love. And until you accept his love for you, you'll never be able to share his love with others. The first step to you changing the world is accepting his love as it is right now. I told him, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I know we're Pentecost and this is a little different this morning. I want you to close your eyes and lift your hands. I would to God, I could pray a prayer that you could feel the thud of God's heart as it beats against her skin. <laughs>
because every beat of his heart says your name. He is totally obsessed. He is completely infatuated with you. I'm preaching to people whose family said you're a trash. I'm preaching to people whose families have turned their back on you and said you have no value. Your friends have walked away. Your life has been filled with abandonment and rejection. But I've come to tell you, he loves you much more than you could ever imagine. There's a healing in this room right now. If you'd slip your hands heavenward right now, there's a healing in this place. <laughs> oh, you're going to be able to leave here today and sing the old Sunday school song with conviction. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. This message may not be for everyone, although I think it is, but for the somebody that God is touching right now. I want you to come to this altar with your hands lifted. I want you to move into the depths of God's love this morning. Amen. I feel something stirring. No greater motivation could be than this. Bible studies be taught, homes be changed into churches because the heartbeat of God is realized in our life. How much more? Hallelujah. Oh, there's healing. Come on, there's an internal healing right now. There's an internal healing right now. Something powerful's taking place in your life. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Hallelujah. 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 Your life has. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.